Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. At this week's service, we had a special guest from the Kalamazoo Church of Christ, Jaren Singh. Jaren's message is titled, Who Are You Afraid Of? And then I also just want to introduce Jaron Singh. Uh, he'll tell you more about his awesome family. Uh, but here's what you need to know. This guy, um, led by the Spirit, decided to plant a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in the middle of COVID. And he's going to preach to us right now. Come on up. <laughs> awesome. Uh well, it's great to, great to see you all. Um, I, I do, uh, thanks for the introduction. Uh, my name's Jaron, and, uh, my family is in, uh, right in the back. There's a, a little slide right there, too. But we, so in August, we planted the, the church in Kalamazoo. I know there's a, a number of you guys that came to the inaugural service. We're so grateful, uh, for you for doing that. I, I really think, uh, in all honesty, one of the, as I think about the planting of the Kalamazoo church, the, the real stories of faith are actually from the individuals who have decided to pick up uh, what they're doing, leave their jobs, some, some literally leaving really solid jobs, uh, accepting to be employed and be underemployed, in fact, just in an effort to see God move and work. You know, for, for me and my wife, we, we went on the, the church planting uh, because one of our big aspirations was is, is to be church leaders and to do a good job. And so it, for us, it's, it's a little bit less faithful. It's, it's more, uh, you know, it's just kind of the, the career trajectory in some ways. I, I think it's so inspiring as I think about the team. We went with uh, 14 people, including me and my wife, and, uh, and only one of those, uh, not including me and my wife, but only one of those committed to coming on the planting prior to COVID. And so you have most of the team, and then, and then there's been two others that have joined a little bit later now too, deciding to come and in, in a, you know, Kalamazoo. So many people, the joke literally is we, nobody knows where Kalamazoo, no, nobody knows there was actually a Kalamazoo until you actually look it up and we say we're planting a church there. And at least this is outside of Michigan. Now, please don't look down on us. I'm very sorry, but th- there it is. They, they just decide, no, I, I want to be used by God. And so that's what, what's, what's going to happen. And so I feel uh, I, their faith challenges me and it inspires me a bunch. Uh, so I just wanted to share that. Uh, this is yeah me and my wife and then our, our daughter's in the back. She's probably going to end up at some point here uh, running off or being too loud. But there she is. We just turned one and she went from walking to running in a matter of like a week. And she's not used to walking in shoes that much. So she's still wobbly. But uh, it's been it's been so much fun to be a father uh, and, and really get to see, I think, a little bit more of how God views us. And in not a perfect image, but I just, I think about the love for, for, that I have for my daughter, and I just imagine just a sliver of that is the, the love that God has for all of us. Uh, you can open up to, to Mark 11. We'll be there in a minute. I, I also, I, I want to share in Kalamazoo, there's some really, uh, there's some really amazing things happening. And one of the, one of the big things that I know, I, I, I was terrified when we were asked, do you want to go on a mission team? It's just like the lead a mission planting. I, I have no idea how to do that. Our, our experience is, uh, almost exclusively with campus ministry. Uh, anybody over 25, I, I short circuit. I don't know how to help them. And the, the, this is in my fear. This is what, what I, what I was thinking. And, 
and we were, we were given, there was a, a conviction that I came to uh, at some point, and it's just that the, the church is never going to fail, and it's never going to be because of me. And so the, the church is never going to fail. And I, I think the same thing about the, the Lansing, it's never going to fail, it's never going to go under. And it's never going to be because of any individual person. It's going to be because of the collective body moving powerfully together. Amen? In so many ways, the, the church in Lansing is really what we, we want to uh, become. You guys are our, our bigger brothers in, or bigger sister, however, whatever, in many ways. And, and so we look at a small group now being built to over a hundred members. And I want to, I want to be like that one day. I want to be able to, to tell stories. I want to have a building that we own one day. Uh, down the line at some point here. I, I also want to take a moment to just, uh, to, to lift up Joel. You guys know that Joel's awesome. Uh, but I want to communicate that I, I didn't know he was awesome, and but now I do know he's awesome. Okay, so my my first uh, I I'd heard his name at different points: Joel Nagel, Joel Nagel, Joel Nagel. I actually I there was one time that I played uh, we played him in volleyball at, at at this retreat, this campus ministry retreat, and and my only image of Joel Nagel was he was really frustrated when I I, I was serving. And I kept serving at, at one sister who wasn't very good at volleyball. And we were trying to win. And I'm, I'm a college student. I don't know left from right. And I just pick out this, this person is the worst on the team. And so I just, I, and I, and I, rem, I remember Joel's face. He's like, come on. He just literally says, come on, bro. And I'm like, it's a, it's a competition. This is what brothers do. And uh, they, they lose their minds. Okay. So. That was my image of Joel, my, my, my most recent image. So Joel, actually, I don't know if you, you guys know, he, uh, on his, on his own decided to open up an opportunity, like a discipling group every Tuesday for small church leaders in the Midwest. And he just, he just created it grassroots, uh, sent out invitations and it's totally voluntary. Not everybody has to, to join up, but he, he saw a need that there was a, a lack of, of, connection in some ways, a lack of uh, just bouncing ideas off of each other. And he said, I want to, I want to, I want to meet this need. And so he decided to start this discipling group. And now the discipling group, it's so, it's so big that we've, we've had to split up into little sub discipling groups. There's so many people around, literally, I'm not kidding with you around the Midwest. It's, it's kind of, uh, is, are you invited to the group? Are you invited to the group? And so, and, and so it, it is, it's, it's an awesome, it's been awesome to learn just a little bit. He's the ultimate planner. You guys know it, but I think as I, as I look at Joel, I think about this discipling group and I'm like, I don't know where I would be without it, to be honest. So thank you so much, Joel. You guys got someone good here. Uh, today I want to talk a little bit about fear. You know, there, there are, there are a few emotions that motivate us more than fear. It, it is, it's extremely powerful, isn't it? And, and I don't want to talk about, uh, you know, arachnophobia or being scared of spiders or being scared of heights. I actually want to talk about interpersonal fear this morning. And you, you think about fear. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Interpersonal fear actually doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think about my daughter right away when I, when I think about fear and we've just started to give her a little pat on the, on the, on the hand. And when I say little, it has to be, it, it's, it's not little. I, I, but it, it, it breaks my heart having to tap her, but she'll go over to the, the, the cabinet to open, open a, a little, you know, pantry door or something like that, or a, a, right below the TV. And she knows she shouldn't do it. And so we will tap her once and maybe no response, or maybe she'll start fussing a little bit and I'll move her away. Jordan, I love you. Don't do it again. You guys know, parents know what happens. Well, right away, as soon as I get done off out of her mind and she's going right back to it, I got to tap her again and my heart breaks. 
starts fussing again, and Jordan, I love you, but and then the, th- the third time, finally something clicks, at least temporarily, where she goes right about to get there, turns around, smiles, and then comes back to me. And I'm like, okay, amen. So in- interpersonal fear, that's just one time. There's been other times where it's been like we've gone three, three deep. So I-, I mean to share, though, interpersonal fear is not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but it-, it also can prompt us to do some pretty crazy things. It, c- it can prompt us to say things we don't mean. It can prompt us to act in a manner God is just not proud of. Uh, it, it, it prompts us to feel pressure to act and to speak without giving proper thought. Really, it, it, it is a way that, that we just go about living that, that does not promote Jesus. And so I really want to challenge us this morning, though, not to run away from fear altogether, but rather to put this fear in God. And if we strive to put all of our fear in God, we will be able to live less burdened lives and emulate Jesus better. We're over here, we're in Mark 11. The the title of my lesson this morning is, Who Are You Afraid Of? Here we'll read. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began to drive out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Notice the response of the the, the chief priests and the teachers. It says, The chief priests... And the teachers of the law heard this and began to look for a way to kill him. Why? For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Now pause here. So we've got Jesus and he sees something that's going wrong. This this would have been the the outside of the, the temple courts or the temple courts rather would have been just this area outside where those who were not Jewish uh, in, in descent would be able to worship God. They would be able to pray and they would be able to connect with God. And it, it was being overrun by money changers, people that were just trying to make a quick buck. And it was, it was being overrun by, by those you know, selling little sacrifices. Kind of you get the image of like a fast food type of thing. We're running late, but let's just go do it anyway. So, oh, we're, we'll get there. We'll just buy it when we get there. It's being overrun by this, so much so that there's individuals who want to worship God, who want to pray, who are not of Jewish descent, but they can't because there's, there's, this, there's not enough space for them. Jesus is, is absolutely ticked off. And I, I want to focus in, though, on, on the Pharisees. This is what fear of, of people will make us do. It says they feared Jesus. The whole crowd was amazed at His teaching. And we'll, we're going to see this thread of fear throughout the, the lives of, of the Pharisees and these teachers of the law. Let's keep reading here. We'll, we'll go to Mark 11 and verse 27 now. It says, They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, in verse 27, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him, But what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I'll ask you one question. Don't you love him? Answer me, 
and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, they feared the people for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. So now we have these individuals that are coming to Jesus and you get the image, they're just conspiring. We've got to find a way to, 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 kill, to kill this guy. And, and if we can get him to, on, on the charge of blasphemy, we can do it. How, what question are we going to ask? What authority? That's the question. Because he's... He thinks he's from, he's going to say, uh, it's by, by God's authority. And, and then we're going to get him. And I just picture Jesus. I wonder how many times he's just studying, he's thinking. And, and certainly in his, his 30 years, there's nobody wiser. There's nobody smarter. There's nobody who could dispel arguments better with just a few choice words. And they ask him a question. And instead of answering, he says, I'm going to ask you a question. And then if you get it, if, if you answer it, if you just answer it, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. You just answer it then okay, I'll tell you. Just knew they weren't going to answer. And and he he uses their fear of men entirely against them, doesn't he? He says, if we we just say that he's from God, then they're going to say, believe him. If we say he's from man, then then we're going to be in trouble because the people love John. We, We see this theme, the Pharisees, they're so heavily motivated by fear. You don't have to turn there. You can just write it down. It's in... John 12, 42, 43, it says, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. This is many among the leaders of that that believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. So we, we get this image of the, the Pharisees. They are so heavily motivated by fear. It says they, they feared who they perceived to be an opponent who could have just been a friend if they would have allowed him to be. They could have repented. They, they feared the people and what the people would think. And then they feared the consequence of actually believing. This is, this is what fear does to us. You know, I, I, I think about myself and so I... This is just a little over a year ago in, in Milwaukee. I was sharing my faith and there was this rival, and I, again, I say rival like this, campus ministry that had just been planted. And there was a guy, he wasn't even the campus minister, he was just a college student. And he would always, he'd always run into me and he was, he was just kind of trying to be this, this nice guy at first. Hey, what's up, bro? Good to see you. And, and, you know, does the old, the cool handshake that, that, uh, yeah, I was I was a little bit too old to understand. He just did this cool handshake. Okay, cool. And and then what what happened though? He he was friendly, and then at a certain point he came to me, and I knew he was starting. I, there had been different people that actually we had both shared our faith with, and and they were like, there's this weird, it was a weird competition that's like really gross, and it was building up, and um, and he just said, hey, I'm worried about your group. I was like, okay, uh, what do you, explain. He said, yeah, there is some rampant sin going on in your group. I was talking to some of your members. 
And whenever you're calling your members, and like you're missing it, but he said your members, and they they were sharing some disgusting sin with me. Okay, you have sin in your camp. You need to figure that out. And I I remember I heard that my like this the my blood started boiling. There was an anger and a frustration that I that I begun feeling. This guy is he's 21 years old. He's trying. I actually believe sincerely he's trying to follow God. And I don't know if he knows it, but I'm sincerely trying to follow God as well. We were supposed to be friends, but somehow we'd been pitted against each other. And instead of trying to create a unifying, uh, hey, we're, we're fighting for the same thing, it was it turned into a competition pretty quickly. And it wasn't a one-up, but I was automatically on the defensive. And I'm asking him questions. What do you? What would you do if you were me? Well, first I would look at myself. Okay, well, what if what, what, when you look at yourself, then what would you do? Well, I tell him to stop. Okay. But when you tell him to stop and look at yourself, then what, my friend? Help me out. And it, and it just turned into this competition. I remember leaving, feeling discouraged and frustrated. And I, and I think, honestly, I think the Holy Spirit inside of me was just grieved, to be honest, that, that there was this competition that I had allowed to, to build just because I was, I was fearful that he would think that I'm a bad minister. I, I, I think fear can make us do some, some pretty crazy things. And then afterwards you think about difficult conversations maybe you've had in the last x amount of time and and then you i don't know if you're anything like me then you replay them right you're like i wish i would have said this i wish i would have done this i wish i would have said it this way and and so often the the response really is to take a take a deep breath take a step back just like jesus ask ask them a question amen you know i i Think you know, and I, I was just thinking, you know, it, it, it seems so intense in the moment, and then when you try to explain conversations like these, they they lose weight pretty quickly. Uh, the woman, they she she said something rude to me as we crossed the line. I just had to, you know, I don't know. And and then you you what what did she say? She said, "Thank you." In a really rude way though. You you wouldn't understand. So so often isn't that, isn't that the case? It's kind of it's similar to I was just sitting with like when you're trying to describe a dream to somebody. And it was a, maybe it was a stressful dream and you're trying to describe it and then some, some fantastical beast starts picking you up and taking you to a, a weird land and then your third grade teacher comes in and saves you and it's just a very difficult way. And then by the end of explaining it to somebody, you're like, oh, you, 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 I, I don't know, you just had to be there. So I, I, I fear too often in our, in our, in our search to, to be spiritual or to appease people, we can, we can do the same thing. Things in the moment seem so heated and so difficult and the solution is so distant from us just because we're scared of what people are going to think about us. Proverbs 29, 25, it, it says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Do you feel ensnared this morning? Or, or rather, where do you feel ensnared this morning? I would say that none of us being here, none of us are ensnared in every area of our lives. We would, literally would not be here if that were the case. But I'd put before you that perhaps in, in one area, there's one social circle where you feel like, I, I can't speak up. I can't stand up for God. I know what they believe. Maybe there's, maybe it's at work, potentially. I, I'm worried at X, Y, or Z. Maybe it's with this group of friends, or maybe it's at, maybe it's at home. Parents, spouse, roommate. a cool quote uh, that, that I found. It says, fear has a large shadow, but he himself is small. If I would have just realized that I was interacting with this guy, 
fear is small. He seems so big, so intense, and yet the reality was right in front of me. He's trying to create a competition where there's no competition. So our, our fight, it's not to remove fear, but rather to properly place it. And so you, you might say, if you listen to this first little bit, you say, oh, well, this is, I've got to stand up and I've got to, I've got to yell about what I have to do. And, and I'll say, hold up one second. Because so often in, in our response that I have to stand up for what I believe in, it ends up being yelling. And in reality, I want to, I want to focus us on Mark 12 now. Okay. We're going to look at this. And I want to put before you, we've read this scripture so many times over the course of our Christian lives. Let's read it through the eyes of, of who this woman fears. Fight is not to remove fear, but rather to properly place it. We'll, we'll, we'll start in verse 38. It's Mark 12, verse 38. It says, As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and make a show for lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where they were offering and the offerings were put and watched the crowds putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a widow came, poor widow came, and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This woman, the image that I get, and this is, again, I, I disclaimer, this is not, it's not Bible, but it's the image that I get of these, these rich men, and they just have money coming out their ears, and they're looking at how much are you going to give? How much? And they're not going to ask how much you're going to give. They're going to just look. You gave that much, okay? You gave that much. I'll give a little bit more, and and not in a discreet way, but in a, oh oh I, I dropped oh I dropped the hundred. I'm sorry. Oh, that's interesting. Sorry. And and throwing as much as you possibly can just to look good. That's the image that I get. And you see this little widow. This is my image. I, I picture her a little bit hunched back, barely able to walk well. So a couple copper coins. She's not looking at anybody in the eye. Just minding her own business. Just desperate to please God. She just drops a, a couple in, and I, I, I can hear the, the, the rich men say, oh, we're going to have to provide for her now too. Why would she do that? She is so foolish. That makes no sense. Why didn't, fine, I guess you love God, just put in one, at least get one more meal out of this. This woman gave, it says, everything she had to live on. I wonder if you would ask her in that moment, hey, why did you do that? Are, are, you, are you worried? Are you going to be fed? But she'd say, I, I don't know. I mean, I, if, if I don't get fed, maybe I'll, I'll, I'm, I may die, but 
If I die, I'll see Jesus sooner. I'll, see, I'll be able to be with God. There'll be a time, I, I hope, in, in heaven one day where we can talk to this woman. We can just ask her, hey, what was going through your mind? I don't know if it'll be an interview. I'm, I'm, I don't need to answer any questions from her. I'd just love to ask her, hey, what was going on in your mind when you gave those two? Do you even remember that? I, I wonder if she's, I, I, didn't, I didn't think twice about it. I just wanted to please God. Well, where are you going to get your food from? I don't know. It was, food comes, food goes. Somehow it was gonna it was gonna be given to me. But what about what did you think about putting one in? Not even a little bit. What what it, what would happen if you didn't give? Do you think God would like not bless you? No, 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 it's not about that. I just I fear God. I want to I just want to give to God. Did you hear what the, the Pharisees what they were talking about you? Yeah. Why'd you do it? I just I fear God. And because of her fear of God over everything else, she's memorialized in history, and we're talking about her, and we're gaining faith from her to this day. I think that the lesson for you and I is, is that our greatest impact is not going to be had yelling on rooftops. Our greatest impact is going to be had living faithfully and living thoughtfully, one by one by one. Proverbs 9, 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And as I think about this, the idea of just yelling on a rooftop and being haphazard, and I'm not going to be afraid of men, I'm going to just fear God, and so that means i got to yell. And we see a very different image of, from this woman, don't we? You know, I, I think about this, this movie, uh, the, the Lion King. Um, has anyone not seen The Lion King? Okay, good. All right. All right. We're in, hey, we're, I'm in good company now. I was waiting for one of you to, to raise your hands. I'm like, I'm going to give you my Disney Plus account right now. Uh, you can leave the, you know, but Lion King, awesome movie, right? There's a, there's a scene in the movie that I, I, I really, I, I, I thought of as I, as I thought of this. And it's a scene when Simba is dead set on being brave. It's like, man, I'm a, I'm a grown lion now. I'm a grown man. I'm going to do big boy stuff. And Mufasa says, don't go this, don't go over there. He said, I'm going to go over there. What, you know, I'm showing off. Got Nala here, you know, this and that. And, and he goes, and, and you all know what happens, right? The, the three hyenas come in. It's this, it starts out a little bit comical. It turns, it turns dark pretty quickly, and they, they get cornered in this area. And Simba then has this little roar, and they start laughing at him. And then this big roar, and, and, from Mufasa, and he comes and he saves them, and, and all of that stuff happens. And then they have this conversation afterwards. Simba says, man, I just want to be brave. And, and Mufasa, he, he says, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. I think too often uh, in, in our day-to-day, we can, if, if we can go from I'm not going to fear men to I'm just going to go looking for trouble. I'm going to say whatever I want without thinking twice about it. I'm just going to go for it. Very different image than we get if we would just focus on, on the, this woman who truly feared God. You know, I, I think about, uh, this is actually the idea of, of not going out and looking for trouble, but rather focusing on a single conversation and giving and investing in that. This is what drew me to, to want to do ministry in the first place. I, I remember this was 2011. It was my freshman year. 
Uh, I grew up in the church, but I grew up as a really bad kingdom kid. And you think about the worst kingdom kid, and I was right there with him, and we were high-fiving, I'm sure. And so, or maybe I was. Maybe I would have high-fived myself. I don't know. But but there you go. So not a good kingdom kid. I went to college. Really, I, with the intention that it, I have one chance to, to become faithful, and it's not from being where I've always been. My only chance, i got to go somewhere else. And for whatever reason, there was something in my 18-year-old mind that said, just leave. And so I went to, I went to school in Milwaukee. And I still struggled all, a bunch. And then there was a time I remember, it was in February of 2011. Uh, all the students had left campus, but the basketball players had to stay on campus. And so I was upstairs, and I, it, was about, it was about 10 a.m. In my, in my dorm room. And there was, uh, I, I just decided I'm going to have a quiet time. Um, good idea, by the way. I wish I would have had a quiet time series like the one you guys are putting together of the best quiet times. I, I don't think I had a best quiet time, but I, I decided I was going to read the Bible. And, uh, and one of my friends came in and was like, man, I, I could read the Bible later. I could read it now. And, but later I've got a, a meeting with somebody and I know they're going to ask me if I read the Bible. And so I got to tell them, yes, I, I did. I got to have something to answer for. What, are the, what do you, what do you have a quiet time on today? So, I told him, I said, hey, bro, I'm really, really, really sorry. I've got to go upstairs. I'm going to go to this study room. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm so sorry. Uh, you can, here's a TV. Just, you can use my computer. You can just do your own thing. Seriously, you don't have to come. If you want to, you can. I'm going to be upstairs. Everyone went up, and I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, I'm doing it. And I sat down, and I started reading. And then I hear the elevator ding. And then, and then David Wilson comes through. I'm like, oh my goodness, what? maybe he has to use the bathroom. What is he here for? And he sat down by me, and I, we started talking. I said, do you believe in God? He said, oh, a little bit. And we started talking, and it was so inspiring to see his heart change. And, and it was inspiring. I remember there was one study in particular where we looked at what it looks like to actually be a disciple, like a true Christian. We went, and I knew what was going to happen going in, and I was a little bit nervous because he had some spiritual background. I didn't know what he was going to say, and Scripture spoke, and he said, no, I'm not a disciple. And I remember this ride back. Usually he'd have music. There was no music playing. It was a Nissan Altima, and he just, just chilling. It was heavy. I said, hey, what do you, pretty big stuff, huh? He said, yeah, if, if this is true, then that means that almost no one is a Christian. And, and it, you could just, you could feel the weight of, of the car. Really, you could feel the, the weight of him understanding what the Bible taught just weeks prior. He had no intention of, of really following God. He, he called himself a Christian and now being, being met with this and he, he became a disciple and, uh, and it, it was just an inspiring time for me to see this is what drew me to to want to follow god really wholeheartedly but it's what drew me to want to do ministry was seeing people's hearts change just from fearing god just and again i just this little bit i'm sorry i gotta go read my bible just a little bit not yelling on the rooftops not doing something incredibly crazy just a little bit and, and something can change it's, it's perhaps what drew so many of you to, to follow god as well was seeing the lives of people around you and seeing there's something different going on with them Who in your life do you have to impact this morning? 
Don't think of 15 people. You can say, my classmates, that's a lot of people. You can say, my coworkers, that's a lot of people. Think of two or three people that you, like, I have to impact them this morning. And make a, make a point to, to pursue that. Make a point to go do that. This, this is how true change is going to happen. This is what it looks like to fear God over man. It's not to shout it on the rooftops. It's a, on a day-by-day, step-by-step, person-by-person, interaction-by-interaction. Amen? So, so with that, I, I want to leave us with this make-your-mark challenge. And that's every time this week, every time you're about to have an interaction with someone, Pray to be more fearful of God than you are of them. It's just a five, ten second prayer. And this is, this is something I should say that I've, I've really tried to put in my life. Not, not necessarily praying to be more fearful of God. It's something I'll add, but just to, God, please use me in this interaction. Just a five, God, use me. I'm so dull. Maybe you, you identify as being dull as well that I, I leave conversations. I'm like, man, God was using me and I didn't, I didn't allow myself to be used. I missed that opportunity. This isn't, this is, this is what we're, we don't have to miss those opportunities. If we're praying, God, I want to be, I want to be so fearful of you. I want to be like this woman. Every time you go to a coffee shop, you go to a, the dining hall, maybe you, you go wherever you go, make a decision. God, use me. Maybe you come, maybe anytime you come back from, from work or anytime you're going to work. I know this is something even as I come home from uh, doing, you know, having a Bible study with somebody or meeting with somebody, it's, it's a, it's a prayer that I go in. God, please. Use me. And God, please allow me to, to impact uh, my wife in, in whatever way you want me to. I, this is going to lead to uh, us loving people more and just to be more like Jesus. This is our model of how to live. Uh, it, it's so inspiring as we, as we think about that model that Jesus lived out all of this stuff perfectly. If you have a time this week, I would challenge you, go, go read Mark 11 and 12, there's an impressiveness in which Jesus interacted and gave to people that, that I want to be. Um, right now, we are going to say a prayer for communion uh, as, as we really remember what he's done uh, for all of us as a, as a group, but for us individually as well. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we, we come before you, Father, and we're, we're so grateful for who you are. Lord, we're grateful that you lived a perfect life, Lord. You've never sinned. Father, you've never, never done anything to hurt us, never done anything to wrong us. Lord, we are so grateful that you were not afraid of men. We're so grateful that you were inspired by your Father, that you drew inspiration from Him time and time and time again. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we pray that we will live for you every day. This is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.